You fought in the Clone Wars? Yes. I was once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father. Here we go. I have a bad feeling about this. Follow me, boys! You're not shinies anymore. Go, go, go! Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Clone Wars Strikes Back. This is the podcast where we go back and celebrate the rich six-year history of the hit animated series, Emmy Award-winning animated series, I should say, Star Wars The Clone Wars, by discussing each and every episode arc and episode. Uh, My name is Dominic, and joining me, as always, to help break it down is my good friend, Kieran. Hello, Dominic. How are we feeling today? I think we're feeling pretty good. I, I think we're in for an, an interesting episode this week. We've got we'll be talking about the episodes uh, "Corruption," "The Academy," and "Assassin." Uh, so two eh episodes and one pretty good episode uh, to talk about. Uh, but but before we we jump into things, we we should mention um, for those of you that that listen to the show regularly have have noticed that over the past little while. Our um, our recording schedule has been a bit wacky. Uh, we haven't really been able to stick to our uh, every other week release schedule, and, and that's because we've but just been both been so busy over the summer, and, and so I I don't want to use the term hiatus because I think that's that's kind of the wrong wrong term, but just over the next month and a half, really. There won't be a, a regular recording schedule. It will just kind of be whenever we can get together to do one of these things, we will do one. And, uh, you know, so it might be, you know, you might get two episodes, you know, one week after another, or there might be a six week break. <laughs> it's just going to be a matter of, of when we can, when we can do this. And then once the fall rolls around, once we get to, you know, once we hit, you know, early to mid September, we should be able to, you know, get back onto our regular recording schedule, and then it will just be a straight shot till till the end of the end of the series. And once we, because you know, we're about we're getting close to the halfway point now. We're not quite there, but we're we're getting yeah. close, and and so soon it will be. Uh, yeah, we're almost. Once we hit that midway point in season three, that's when things really get going, and then then that's when the arcs get, you know, start getting longer, and all of a sudden, before you know it, we'll be we'll be hitting the lost missions, and it'll be. Almost over, but we don't want to think but about feel, that yet. We don't no, want to but think I, about that. I feel like the arcs are probably going to embody our schedule. The next couple of ones we got, where they're all a bit <laughs> mishy mashy and unorganized. They're not chronological at all in terms of how season three started off with. So, um, but we're, I agree, as you said, Dominic, and no pun intended with this, but it seems like as the as it starts heating up in the summer, <laughs> our, our our job work has suddenly got uh, pretty, pretty busy. And so, as uh, you have already notified, we're going to be very, very busy over the next couple of months. But we will still be getting these shows out whenever we can. And we have got some good ones to come up, though. That is that is what I'm really looking forward to. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. All right, so let's let's talk about it. Um, let's start with corruption uh, and, and the academy. Uh, we'll talk about them kind of together. Uh, so, Kieran, do you have episode descriptions for us? 
I do indeed, and I feel like these episode descriptions kind of represent the longevity of these episodes, so bear with me. <laughs> right, synopsis for corruption. Padme, on a diplomatic mission to Mandalore, guarantees the pacifist planet the Republic's full protection. But she and Duchess Atene soon find something sinister lurking beneath the planet's serene facade. Mugen smugglers have been sneaking in, sneaking in supplies, including bottled tea, destined for the Mandalorian schools. To increase their profits, they have been diluting the tea with a hazardous chemical. <laughs> and now we're on to Academy. <laughs> Academy synopsis. Ahsoka is assigned to teach a class at a leadership academy on Mandalore. Soon after she arrives, Duchess Satine, zealous nephew, Corky cries, and his classmates uncover a nefarious plot. Prime Minister Almec is revealed to be an active part of a black market conspiracy on Mandalore, and he attempts to permanently silence Duchess Satine and the cadets before they expose his corruption. Um, and I don't know if I pronounced the word cries there, but... Uh, Correctly, but yeah, yeah, there we go. There's the episode description. So uh, if you got bored uh, over the last minute, yeah. wake up and we're back. Okay, <laughs> right. I, I, I think you know these are definitely probably two of the the worst um, Clone Wars episodes. Um, you know, it's it's unfortunate. There is some interesting stuff in there to discuss, but I, what what bothered me the most about these episodes, and we'll get this this out of the way first. Um, is that everybody seems to be an idiot in them. And like everybody, it must be something, it must be something in the air on Mandalore that just turns people into idiots. I mean, Satine is stupid. Burn this, burn down all the evidence. What? Yeah, what? I know. Okay, Padme gets stupid as well. Almec gets stupid. Um, all of those cadets get stupid. Um, it's just, it. The, the superintendent, the doctor. The, <laughs> I mean, like the doctor is like he's like uh, uh, he's testing the the, the the school's food for poison, and he's just like yes, we've tested all the food, and 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 Padme's like, well, what about the drinking water? He's like, oh, well, we haven't. Tri- well, all they drink is water, and they say, well, what what about the bottled drinks? Oh. Oh, I didn't test this. Oh, here's a child. I'll steal his drink that he paid for. <laughs> yeah. What? What? <laughs> It it just it's 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 it's, you know I feel like we need we need Doctor House in there you know we need Hugh Laurie just to walk around just on on uh, on set on set in these episodes going you're an idiot you're an idiot it was uh it was something else it was it was uh it was it was I don't know I I it something about this episode seemed the characters seemed to be acting out of out of out of character. Well, I just think. to jump in there, I feel like, I mean, there's a lot of problems with this arc that we're going to talk about, the corruption and Academy episodes, but it, the situation, the plot, in my opinion, is quite simplistic and facile. There are, are these Mugen uh, species who are, or smugglers even, who are going on to Mandalore, and they are looking to just to sell basically pro- tea products, you know. And uh, it's really just to illustrate this corruption on Mandalore. But when I, while I was going through this episode, I thought, if this is supposed to be targeting an audience of children, they're not really going to understand a lot of what's going on here. I mean, it was all talking about, you know, uh, politics, really. And I feel like that's going to be lost on a lot of children who are just not really going to get it. So as a way of, I guess, compromising that factor, they they decided to make the plot 
as simplistic as possible. And as you said, I'd, there were so many moments here that were just laughable and not for the right reasons, to be honest. I mean, that superintendent, what on earth was he doing when he went to the docks and then um, they were checking through the, the school records to see how where this tea was imported? And he was like, um, yeah, I've, I've got to go now. Uh, I've got to go. Go to the hospital. You're like, <laughs> it was the worst excuse <laughs> like, in the world. Yeah. Why, are you, why is he suddenly leaving? And they're like, uh, you stop him. And it wasn't even a good chase. It was just him going, Oosh, <laughs> and it smacked onto the onto the next vehicle. I'm like, what is going on here? This is, as you said, it's just there are there were so many idiots in this. But I feel like the main the main character, which I really had an issue with, was Duchess Satine. I. I don't understand her. I feel like she's got such a schizophrenic personality that she wants she wants to do what's good for Mandalore. She she's her ambition therefore is is to remove corruption from Mandalore. Yet as you say, um that uh oh who who is that I don't know what the other guy is, the lieutenant guy, the one that she keeps uh, lambasting at because apparently he's part of this conspiracy as well. Anyway, he's like, yeah, the docs have got valuable evidence in there, and she's like, no, burn it, burn it all. Yeah. And then, and then the scene afterwards, she's like, oh, I don't know where we're going to get the evidence to suss out this corruption. I'm like, it was right there in the docs, and you burnt it all. What are you doing, you stupid woman? And that's that's the whole, the whole. I guess opinion I had of her throughout the episode was that she, as you said, she was just an idiot, and oh, there was there was just so much that I feel like just doesn't represent how good the show is. It just doesn't project it in this really positive light. That, that I mean, there's so many captivating, engrossing episodes. We've had the Boba Fett arc, we've had the Geonosis arc, the Grievous of season one. Um, there was and the Ryloff trilogy, and then we get this, and it's just, it's just disappointed, really. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I get dejected as I talk about it. If I'm being honest, I don't know about you. Yeah, well, I think you know some of the stuff you're talking about, Satine. I absolutely agree. She was completely out of bounds in what she was doing. You know, I feel like Satine is a very she's she's believed so Your so personality. I, I don't know if it's necessarily dual personality. She, she gets a little too uh, emotional, and and I, I don't mean to say that uh, you know female characters with their emotions. You know, I'm not I'm not saying that. I, I'm saying is you know she she seems like at times she seems very rational, like she has a lot of good ideas, and this is something that we talked about in the the Mandalore trilogy. But then other times, you know, she she'll do something like that where she's just so caught up in the moment, and she's so angry about it it's it's that she will burn down all the evidence and you know quite frankly it's kind of something that i could see anakin doing you know he's he's so angry so he just kills the guy you know that's kind of the the thing you know i think that's sort of basically what happens with mace windu and anakin you know anakin is so in the moment he's so emotionally so worried about losing padme that all of a sudden you know there's mace windu and he's representing everything that that Anakin doesn't like and everything he's against. And in that moment, he doesn't think, and he essentially sentences Mace to his death um, by chopping off his hand in front of the Emperor. And, and that's basically what, what Satine does in this episode. She's so emotional that over what she's been through. And, you know, who can blame her? You've just seen all the children on your planet, you know, dying. 
essentially yeah. because of what happened. And so, and you've just sort of found the root of it. You now know how to stop it, and you just want it to be over with. You just want to get rid of this crap. And, and so she has them burn it all down. And you know, like with Anakin, it was a stupid decision, and it has a dis- it's a decision that has major consequences. As we you know, the corruption on Mandalore winds up leading in part to the uh, the downfall uh, of her government in season five at the hands of Darth Maul and the Death Watch. Because, you know, I mean, Black Sun and, and the Pikes would not have been able to infiltrate it so easily if it weren't for, you know, people like the Mugans sort of creating this almost toxic environment where, where criminals and, and, and underworld-esque beings can get in. Um, so it, it, was a, it was a weird, it, you know, it's... it's you know, Satine is, is a character that, you know, if if she could keep her emotions in check, you know, just like Anakin, she would have turned out a lot better, I, I think. Um, just, just to interject there, I've got to ask you a question now, actually, seeing as you're usually the question master. <laughs> um, we'll dissect we'll the episode in a little bit, but just in this broader, um, g- generic opinion, I guess, do you do you take this episode and and, and really discern and recognize it of greater value to to what you have now seen in season five i.e do you think that this serves um a, a greater story you know serves its purpose as it's supposed to be i guess a build-up to the the greater storyline that we're going to see in season five that we're now we're now illuminated to the fact that there is corruption on mandalore and that is a way for the likes of Death Watch and Darth Maul and Black Sun and whatever to infiltrate, as you said, uh, Mandalore pretty pretty easily. Or do you still think that these episodes are just canon, f- <laughs> just fodder, really? <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of torn because on the one hand, I I I, I do think that they they serve a purpose. I, I do think that they I don't completely devalue them. I don't devalue any episodes even even the ones i don't like even you know even these ones or or something like a sunny day in the void or evil plans or stuff like that i don't devalue those episodes they all serve some kind of purpose in in the story but at the same time i really just think they could have been done better i think there was Mm. a better better way to tell this story or or some kind of story to illuminate the toxic environment on, on mandalore and it just they, I, they, I, I, you know, it wasn't really. They kept trying to do political episodes and and, and do them right, and it wasn't till you know the, the Clovis arc and, and episodes like Heroes on Both Sides that they really started to get things right, because they weren't dumbing it down. They were, they were, you know, I, and even in this, I don't know if they were necessarily dumbing it down. They were just. They needed some. They needed a more sinister villain. I think. I think the, the Mugans. Ooh. The Mugans were just. They. They. Didn't mean. <laughs> they, you know. They meant to make it a. Was profit. An, it was an accident, wasn't it? Yeah, it was basically an accident. They didn't mean to do it. Which, you know, it, it's it's interesting because, you know, that's that's a very powerful way of showing how corruption works as well. Is that it? It was just an accident. But they. You know, it should have either been, you know, they were little bit kinder or a little bit more sinister because they were so sinister they seemed so sinister and then they just kind of turned out to be accident accidentally screwing up but you know it, it, it you know they're trying to show the corruption and so you know people and you know maybe this is the message they were trying to get across is that the corruption even that the corruption causes you know people who aren't necessarily trying to do evil per se 
they're just trying to get money and, and you know not through the best means but they're you know not looking to kill people but you know money will cause people to take unnecessary risks that wind up hurting children um, and, and that's kind of what we saw in these episodes and I I, I kind of like that I like that they just, just the way everyone else was acting in these episodes you know with the, the superintendent and the doctor and, and, and all that stuff is just I'm still struggling to put my finger on quite what was off. And I just think it was the way people were acting and that they weren't acting mm. rationally. But do you really expect people to act rationally in a crisis situation like this? That's true, actually. I mean, it is, it's really intriguing that you ask that question. It's very topical at the moment because, obviously, what has been going on in the Middle East at the moment, oh, yeah. um, what we've seen particularly with a lot of dead children, um, is obviously very distressing. But, uh, you know, are people going to have you know, have cool heads, so to speak. Are they going to be able to, as you say, think rationally and, and logically in situations like this? And obviously, if you've got children dying, it, it really has that, that huge emotional impact on, on not just uh, the generic population, but just personally for yourself. You think, wow, this is really, really disturbing at the moment. Uh, and, and, that, and that actually is a good point you raised there. Um, when you said that that could be one of the reasons that Satine decided to burn the warehouse down is that she was emotionally invested in this and thought all those dead children just burn it all, just get rid of it all. I don't want, I don't want to see any of it. Um, and that that is something I hadn't really considered about considered before. But I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. What it, what was really off of this episode was that people just weren't acting genuinely or authentically really in in my opinion and, and that's what you've said as well um i i mean but this was this was before the dead kids were in a hospital but that council meeting was just oh well, i mean like, people were just interjecting and, and squabbling and i just thought come on let cool heads prevail here um i yeah. i i didn't I, be, I think the point was i didn't i didn't really understand why Padme was there. I mean, yeah. I did and I didn't. Yeah. Because, because Padme wasn't there because of the poison tea. Uh, it was seemed like she was just there because of trade. Oh, I don't know, like, Mandalore won't get, wasn't getting enough trade or something, but it, it, it didn't really make sense. Yeah. Yeah. As they always say, a diplomatic mission, but I don't understand what this diplomatic mission encompassed. What yeah. was her purpose? That was, that was the thing. That was the thing. They were kind of. You know, anytime they actually started talking about policy and stuff, <laughs> if they got derailed, you know, the team was like, "Oh, let's do, let's just, let's not talk about it. such a dreary subject." Like, well, what? Why are you there for then? Why are you yeah. there? If you if you want her to come there as your friend, invite her on a social call. Say, come do a vacation on Mandalore. Don't invite her as like a, an official emissary of the Republic or of Naboo. You know, like that. That that kind of seemed off, and then you know it, it was it was also you know the the other thing was <laughs> I loved when Satine was like tomorrow we're going to go visit a hospital. We're gonna have so much fun. We're gonna go see all the cancer <laughs> patients. It's just gonna be a wild ride. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's, it's, that was literally off the line you just said when she was like, "Let's move from a less dreary topic. We'll yeah. go to a hospital tomorrow." Like, yeah, great. Yeah. I can't wait for that. Um, I, I that, that scene though was probably one of the only good scenes. If I'm being honest, in that episode, the academy I didn't mind as much, but corruption I just thought. 
Ugh. I realised it, it was really just a case study to uh, reflect um, the corruption in general in Mandalore, I guess. We were just focusing on one particular strand of it. But uh, that conversation, she was talking about Padme and her thoughts about the war um, mm-hmm. and saying, you know, wh- what do you think about uh, all this fighting with the Republican separatists? And you can see already that Padme's wavering at this point. I mean, what did you make of that brief yeah, conversation well, before they got onto the hospital? Yeah, well, you know, I think Padme has been uncomfortable with the war since the very beginning. She very much fought to, in, in, you know, diplomatically fought, we'll say, um, to, you know, keep the war from actually happening. She was, you know, she was against creation of an army, all that stuff. And so I, I got the impression that she was uncomfortable with it from the beginning. And as the war went on, she just got more and more uncomfortable with it because she saw you know what was really going on and you know she's she, her and you know Baylor Gunn and Mon Mothma they're sort of the non the, the few non-corrupt senators and they wind up you know realizing they, they they you know see what's actually going on they can't do anything about it because of all the the trouble that's in the republic and you know they they see the corruption in the republic and then it gets to the point where she would say in Revenge of the Sith you know do you ever wonder if we're on the wrong side mm. and, and you know this is sort of you know, it kind of hints at her sort of thought process and emotional journey over the, the series. And it's a shame we didn't really get to see more of it and more of, you know, Padme's impressions of the war. But, you know, unfortunately, uh, didn't really get to see it. Uh, no. what, what I thought was interesting, you mentioned the council meeting there, is, you know, looking at, at everything that's going on, on on Mandalore, you kind of wonder if Mandalore is, is almost just like a, a, a microcosm of what's going on in the Republic. Like, it's basically the same thing. You know, they're they're struggling in this wartime to get everything they need, and, you know, they're having this argument about how to go about doing it, and one of the, uh, with the councilmen just kind of accuses another one of being, you know, in league with the Trade Federation and being, you know, bought off by the Trade Federation. I thought I thought that was actually very interesting, because I thought it was just kind of, you know, how... You know, despite the fact that they are quote unquote neutral, Mandalore is basically having the same problems as the Republic, and it's like, you know, other, you know, you can kind of see why they would be, why the, you know, you wonder about that. You wonder if, you know, would it be better for them to join the war, and to sacrifice their principles? But then, you know, if they join the war, then they actually have to fight, and then, you know, you, you then you know you open the door for Death Watch to come in, and and so it's a it's a very interesting. It seems like Mandalore is in this very kind of walking this tightrope, and so that more than even just the uh, then then the Mugans really kind of hinted, I think, at the corruption that would lead to Darth Maul and Pre Vizsla taking taking over mm. in, in season five. I mean, say what you will, there is a lot of foreshadowing in these episodes yeah. of what is of what is to come. But I feel the problem I had when I initially watched this, and you may have had the same feeling as well, is that it just seems so anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw the trailers at Celebration Five, five I believe. Five, it was. yeah. Five. When it when there was um, the hologram of uh, the mysterious hologram, and Satine said, "Was Death Watch involved?" She's like, "Oh yes, Death Watch is back. This is going to be epic." And then. That was it. There was just made a couple of references to the fact. Was it Death Watch? No. That was it. <laughs> it was just really, really disappointing in that respect that it didn't, yeah. it didn't seem at first to build to anything greater. It seemed like 
a bit of a waste of time, if I'm being honest. We thought we're yeah. going to Man. We've had all of these great episodes, and then we go to Mandalore, but we're not actually going to focus on the Death Watch Splinter Group and and that feud between them, Mandalore, and, and where was Sudoku and the Separatists? It just it it just didn't sit well with me. To I, be I think you used the right word there, anticlimactic. And I think that's where most of the problems with these episodes are, because you know we're we're talking about about a bunch of things here, and you know while there are you know characters acting stupidly, um, there are I think good things in this episode. I think I think I have a I think I like it slightly better than you do, um, because I I do find that there are some interesting things in there and some interesting things worth discussing about you know about everything going on on Mandalore and how this would ultimately lead to its downfall. But I think you're right. You know, with, you know, with storytelling, you have to constantly build from where you were before. It's, it's you know, it's that, that upward trajectory. And yes, there are going to be times to slow down. You know, uh, one of the most obvious examples is, is Luke training with Yoda on Dagobah. You know, that's, mm. a, that's a slower moment after we've just had the, you know, yeah, I mean, you look at the you look at a New Hope. That's a wild ride, and then the beginning of Empire. You know, you're you're flying through asteroids, and you're you're fighting Adats on Hoth, and then all of a sudden you're just chilling with Yoda on Dagobah, and you just real, and it's just such a calmer thing. And like you know, that's important. But by the time you get to the end of that chapter, you know, the the crap has really hit the fan with the whole you know I am your father incident. Yeah. And and I, there wasn't. That moment in these episodes, there wasn't that moment that felt like, okay, this was a significant chapter in what was going on in Mandalore. It was almost like it was just kind of a window into everyday Man, life. Problems. Yeah, <laughs> uh, everyday life. I mean, you know, they're, you know, I think they kind of tried to do that with Almac, but it, it, I don't know, it, it, it didn't feel climactic enough because I, I just. Even knowing where where it wound up, where we were going, I feel like if there had been some kind of presence by Death Watch, if there had been some kind of presence from Pre Vizsla or or any of those guys in all of this, if 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 Almec had you know sworn over to Death Watch and and was using corruption and, and stuff, it it just anticlimactic is is the term that I think best fits these episodes yeah. and I just I mean even, even the Mugans who were here weren't even involved in season 5 were they for the, the Death Watch attack so I mean, they, they were just a one trick pony as well so I, we saw them later but only as really cameos if I'm being honest it, it, all of it as you said and we really are agreeing on this is that it is anticlimactic that there was nothing really big that, that was revealed I know as we said we'll, we'll touch upon this in a moment with Prime Minister Almec revealed um, as being you know, being this basically being deceitful enough to, to feign that he was this honourable Prime Minister but he clearly was as corrupt as everyone else on Mandalore but it just seemed like there needed to be a tie to Death Watch. That was what was needed. And I like your idea, actually. If there was some conversation between Almec and one of the, the Death Watch Mandalorians or Pre Vizsla or something, just that would have been exciting. Obviously, it wouldn't fit too much into season five because we know that, that, that he was imprisoned afterwards. He was, yeah. but I just feel like it. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I'm struggling to find words to praise or eulogy for this episode. I mean, I don't, I don't mind the academy as much, but it, it's just, it's, it, I think mean, I'm just more disappointed in, in how the arc went as a whole. It's one of those ones when I get to season three, there's so much good stuff, and then, and then I came to these, I was like, oh, 
oh, I don't really, I don't really want to be watching these. But um, you know, you have that in all TV shows, and I'm, as, you know, when I, it sounds like I'm really bashing it, but I, I don't necessarily mean to. But I'm, it, it, I just, it's just not one of my favourites, to be honest. And I feel like it, it, it's because it was a bit contradictory in places, and and it just didn't really build up to anything. So yeah. Um, I don't know if we want to move on to the academy well, now because yeah, I'm well, running well, out of things to say in corruption. Yeah, well, let's, let's just start off. Let's just talk about Almec because he's in he's in both episodes, and I, I, I he's he's an interesting character because is he actually corrupt? Like, like, well, he's corrupt, but is he is he doing it for the right reasons or for the wrong reasons? Because he's setting up this, he claims to set up this black market thing so that they can get. Uh, you know, funding and, and, and supplies that they need. And, you know, Satine basically says, well, where are they? And, you know, I, I, I kind of got this sense, you know, when I look at these episodes that maybe Almec was really trying to do the right thing, but he got, wound up getting disenfranchised with the whole scenario. I mean, you know, you see the fighting counselor, counsel, counselors in, um, in, in, in corruption and you know if you're dealing with that on a daily basis you, you could really get disenfranchised with the whole system and and that would lead to him you know kind of going crazy because i really like this is a, a pretty major jump in his character to be using shock collars on children and yeah. and, and and on satine and to kidnap her and you know you almost you know was he was he after power or was he just or did he think that you know or, or was this a point where he was, you know, just tired of dealing with Satine? Was he just ready to get rid of her? Because, you know, she, she, in some ways, I, I feel like, you know, he, he felt he was doing the right thing and she was holding him back. And, mm. and he wasn't able to actually, you know, he set up this black market trade, but he wasn't able to, to fully, you know, use it to its full uh, priority because of her morals, and you know, there's again, that's an honorable honorable position of of Satine, Satine to take, and I don't blame her for doing that. I, you know, I, obviously, it, it doesn't always work out. It doesn't work out a lot of the time, as as we saw, you know, poison children and all that. And so, and you wind up with Almec, and he's kind of gets to the point where he maybe he he goes corrupt in in search, searching out power perhaps to try and do the right thing. And, you know, we kind of get a bit of a hint at that at their, when they have their conversation in, in season five between the walls of their jail cells. And, and we'll talk about that when we get to those episodes, whenever that is. Um, and and it, it, you wonder, is he actually a... I mean, he's kind of... He, he obviously goes bad, but does he... Is this a, a, a case of, you know, the, the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions? Mm. That that is that is a question that I also had while I was watching these. I I thought to myself, how far does this go back? So how far should we be tracing this back to? Was he involved with the black market, for example, before the events of season two on Mandalore, and or or was it after the events of season two, where he, as you said, became a disenfranchised and, and really dissatisfied with? What was happening on Mandalore? It's it's an interesting question to ask, and I don't have the answer to it. I guess, but yeah. I, I I I guess I would say that he is he's certainly portrayed as far more villainous in 
in the Academy episode um, than in any of the other episodes. And at first, it, it kind of catches you a bit off guard. Um, I don't know about yourself, because you've seen this benign Prime Minister all this time, and then all of a sudden he's clearly um, alienated to be this avaricious, greedy for wealth and, and power, it seems. But as you say, is he doing it in the best interests of his people? And part of me thinks he is. Um Bearing in mind, he is already in a quite you know, distinguished position in the council as prime minister. He's clearly second, I would say, in command if, say, Satine was out on some diplomatic mission, as they always call it. Um, then I guess Prime Minister Almec would take, you know, um, he, he, he would be the one who has the authority and um, and the ability to, to, to sanction and endorse things. Uh, and that's why uh, Cadet Corky said that he would go to Prime Minister Almec after Satine said no. Yeah. Um, but that's is a question for you that I'm going to link onto this a bit. Did you always suspect in the academy that it was Almec, or were you of the belief that Satine <laughs> was actually the one who was involved? You know, this the person with the hood. I mean, yeah. more I listen back to it now, it's... I think it was pretty obvious now I've seen it that it was Almec because you can hear his voice pretty distinctively. But um, what, what were your initial thoughts when you saw this? Well, I've, at the time I was I was still crossing my fingers that it was going to be someone from Death Watch, <laughs> to be perfectly Uh-oh. honest. <laughs> I thought they were both being set up. Um, but when it comes to sticking with, with Almec a little bit, just kind of go back to what we were saying a little bit there uh, with Almec and, and whether he's corrupt and stuff and the whole anticlimactic nature of this these episodes is that, you know, Almec, he never seemed, you know, Satine accused him of being corrupt and taking money for himself, but we never really got a sense that that was really going on. We never actually see him, you know, with anything remotely lavish. I mean, we see his office and it's very bare bones. It's just basically, he's basically a laptop and a desk. I mean, there's not, he, he doesn't have, he doesn't have a phone. He doesn't have some pictures of family. He doesn't, not even, you know, he doesn't have some trinkets or anything or, or anything. It's, it's very bare bones. He seems, and he seems very, you know, just kind of to be boring. his, uh, yeah, boring, yeah. And, and, uh, yeah, boring. And his, uh, you know, the only evidence would be those guards, but then, you know, he might, maybe he just, you know, did he pay them off or were they just loyal to him? Did they believe in his cause? Because, you know, he, he's the prime minister. He's obviously going to have some kind of, uh, kind of, Security, whether it's you know, secret service as they call it. I mean, you know, look at the the president of the United States. You know, they they've got the secret service, and the prime minister of Canada has all kinds of of, secu- of security, and, and I'm sure the prime minister of, of England has has all kinds of security mm-hmm. you know, because you know there are people who who want to unfortunately will want to do bad things to them. Um, yeah. and, and so, you know, I think he was maybe able to get his guards to buy into the, to what he was doing, that what he was doing was right, or maybe they were just blindly loyal to him or, or what, but I never, and this is really where I think the, the anticlimactic nature of it all comes into it, is because there was never a sense that he was actually corrupt, you know, that he was, you know, doing this for himself, that, you know, he was... He still seemed to be serving the interest of the people, and you know when we we hear the definition of of corruption from Ahsoka, it's you know it's to benefit himself, and didn't really seem like it was benefiting himself. He seemed like he was trying to benefit the people, and yes, there were some missteps along the way with boys and children, um, but it was never <laughs> a, it never seemed malicious on his point, and I think that's where the 
again, I love that word, anticlimactic. I think that really sums up these episodes. Yeah, it does. Didn't feel like it does really at the at the time. It didn't feel like a significant building block to anything else, and it 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 still feels like okay. That gives us some context to what we saw in in season five, but it wasn't necessary, or that it could have been done in a bigger way. But also, I don't know how far ahead they had plans, I guess, or had, had, I guess, conceived their plans for Mandalore in the, in the future. Because, obviously, we're talking about season five here. They may well have started writing about season five when it was being aired, season mm-hmm. three, but I don't, I see, that, that, that's the thing though, it, 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 it doesn't seem like in terms of continuity between season two Mandalore, season three Mandalore, and then beyond, it it, it, it looks like as an as an entire story, it may well work, but when you're seeing bits and pieces throughout different seasons, it, as you said, it's a bit like when you see Luke um, with Yoda on Dagobah in episode five, but obviously you've got the whole movie there, but I would also argue that that was a lot, that was better written oh, yeah. as that well. Was, that was better written, <laughs> and I feel it was, it was more important. I think these, these slowing, slowing down, the, the Luke's training with Yoda was, I felt was a much more significant point yeah. in, in Empire than, here, than though, this. Yeah, I think you didn't get that here. And, and I think, yeah, it's just too bad. It's, it's really, it's a shame, but yeah, just going back to what you were saying about how far they planned out, I I don't know. I feel like with Mandalore and what was going on in Mandalore, there was a certain amount of, of well, we'll just snake it up as we go along, at least from from from, from George Lucas, because you know it starts off with with Mandalore and the Separatists are in league, and then you know, and then season four is just kind of like, no, we're done with the Separatists, now we're our own thing, and then it's we'll team up with Darth Maul, and you know, it's an interesting, you know, it's an interesting. To see this sort of this group of, of mercenaries essentially bouncing around from you know who will help them to who will help them, uh, but I, I you know I think that this was sort of them sort of starting to realize okay this is really where we you know that 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 maybe maybe at this point was when they realized okay this is how we're going to to do this ultimate takeover and so we need to sort of lay the seeds, uh, but we want to do it without do using in, in doing too much with Death Watch because you don't want to make them. You know, to have them do too much on Mandalore because then, you know, why doesn't the Republic get involved? Why don't the Separatists get involved to stop them? And, you know, this is all that kind of questions and stuff. So I, it, it was a, you know, it, and anticlimactic. <laughs> well, anything, if anything, I think the Clone Wars teams, the Clone Wars team even, learned from this. Yes. Because it was becoming evident as, as the first half of season three progressed. That there was a lot of discontent and just dissatisfaction with these arcs that were being aired because it was it was really a mixed bag and we do have to take into account context as well when these episodes were being aired. I mean we're going through chronologically, but at the time you'd had a number of jittery episodes. Um, we the sphere of influence and you'd had supply like lines, which again, I mean no, look, okay, what I'll say is. Yeah, but I feel like they, in terms of continuity, it was really, really uh, paradoxical, almost because you were going back, forward, forward, back, and sure. 
it, I, it, it, it basically as well, you take into account the trailer that was released, and <laughs> I was really excited when I saw that Mandalore was coming back. I thought, yes, yeah. we're going to have some really, really good episodes here. Um, and yes, they're in the first half of season three. Great. It just, I mean, you compare the first half of season three, though, to say the first half of season two. It, it, it is quite disappointing, in my opinion. Um, because season two was a lot more action packed and enthralling and, 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 and there were some really good arcs in there. There the were more individual episodes, small arcs and, and I feel like, I, I don't want to just talk about that, but I feel like the generic first half of season three, um, with these two episodes and evil plans, I really get a bad taste with it. <laughs> um, but, but I, I mean, it was kind of a bridge of this together a little bit. I, in terms of the Corruption Academy episodes, it's it, it was a political episode that could have been done right, mm-hmm. but it just wasn't. It just wasn't executed uh, at all well, and that was the problem, I feel, that happened here. And had, had they actually uh, implemented a better story, um, and it had been a, a lot less... Not dumbed down, um, but a little less simplistic and anticlimactic as the word that we're going to use. It, it would have got a better reception from many fans, including myself. And they got it right of Heroes on both sides later. But I feel like the Clone Wars team learned from this point that if they do political episodes, one, don't do as many in one half of a season, but also you, there's ways to do it. And this, unfortunately just wasn't one of those ways. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right. Let's let's talk about some other some other things in these episodes. Let's talk about the the cadets that we we see. Um so we see Corky and 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 his uh his crew. Um and and they're kind of they kind of they take sort of the initiative initiative to to go off and and you know, solve this mystery and and they get Satine in, in this in this episode. She basically says like the worst thing that you can that any adult could say in, in this scenario to a bunch of kids is, you know, you're just children. Be safe. Um, you know, <laughs> you know. She's basically saying, I'm not going to take you seriously because you're not 18 yet. So it, it's kind of like, you know, you kind of feel bad for them, but at the same time, you know. They're they're some of the few people on Mandalore that are trying to get stuff done, you know. <laughs> they're, they're, they're the, the competent individuals on Mandalore, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did actually, as much as I've uh, seemingly ambassaded corruption. Well, actually, not seemingly. I just have been. Um, I, I I don't mind the academy as much. I actually quite enjoy the cadet story and how that progresses. Um, you get you get a small affiliation with these cadets. And you get to see them again in season five briefly, mind yes. you. But you get that, you know, you get the affiliation. You've seen them before. And they were actually doing something with themselves, weren't they? And they, as you said, they were, they went around uh, if there was any more food so that they could have, <laughs> so they wouldn't be as hungry, which is fair enough, I guess. And, and how it all led up, it, it, it did at least lead to, when we talk about the revealing of Almec, that was at least something that I was glad to see that it, it, it was it was surprising um, because you wouldn't have expected it from Almec, um, but ha- how the kids found it out as well um, as they went into that warehouse and he was having a conversation with those different 
I don't know what you want to. I don't know what that species is. Goodles. but They look like goodles. Um, yeah, they, they, they look like goats. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the, the goodles. Um, and it, it, it was, it was. If you were a kid watching this, you could get an affiliation with this, couldn't you? I mean, if we if we were the similar age to these, you'd be like, yeah, you could imagine yourself going in this warehouse and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe not the most exciting adventure, but you yeah. could, in a way, imagine yourself. If you you try and see where I'm coming from there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think you know, they, I, their adventure was a little bit more interesting, and it, it was you know to see all the people you know going up against them, and and all the you know the the the, the people that you know didn't believe them. You know, Satine didn't believe them. Ahsoka didn't really believe them. Uh, and then then Almec tried to to throw them in jail. So it was a. Uh, yeah, it was it was it was not the easiest scenario for them, uh, but yeah. So um, let's talk a little bit about Ahsoka in, in these episodes as well. Um, Ahsoka clearly doesn't want to go on this mission, <laughs> and you know, apparently, just being near Mandalore makes everybody stupid, including. <laughs> Master Yoda. Um, Master Yoda thinks that only a youngling can get through to these children. What? <laughs> what? I mean, okay. If you want to teach some, if you have a Jedi teach is going to come and teach you something, wouldn't you rather you know the great Obi Wan Kenobi or the the legendary Plo Koon? Those are the people I'm going to listen to, not some bad one I've never heard of. If I find <laughs> these kids, I mean, you know, I, you know, obviously she she carries a certain. Uh, you know, her opi- opinions carry a certain amount of weight with these kids because, you know, she is a Jedi and, you know, the Jedi are held up as, you know, heroes of, of the galaxy. But at the same time, she's kind of, she is just a Padawan. She's not finished her training. And I, I, I you know, I, you know, sometimes hearing things from somebody your own age is, is a good idea. But at the same time, I, I don't know, in this scenario, I, I don't, I, you know, I I feel like that line of dialogue was like really, really you know it's one thing if like yeah well we feel this is an important mission for you it will it, you know you have to learn to, to how to how to teach and how to train and you know like that that is an important lesson for Jedi I mean we've seen Ahsoka go on have several sort of you know quote unquote teaching opportunities in in, in in over the series you know with at the end of lightsaber lost and with this and and the gathering and, and all of that stuff so i i feel like you know if, if, if there was a better reason there could have been a better reason for it yeah. could be there than just uh you know to because the kids will listen to somebody their own age although i will say i you know if, if one of the things we said earlier is maybe the show was kind of dumbing things down a little bit for, for the kids but at the same time I, I don't think in this episode it wasn't so much with especially with Ahsoka explaining corruption to the kids and like yeah. that that is a good way for the show to you know teach a lesson like later this season we'll, we'll deal with um, C-3PO teaching us basic multiplication skills and like <laughs> that that's like okay really you know like like you know like <laughs> this isn't this isn't your this isn't you know your your, your Saturday Last morning gosh. show on on PBS Kids. Come on, we're not going. You know, four plus four is is eight. You know, it's like that that, that doesn't really um, you know uh, doesn't fit into it, yeah. It doesn't fit into Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. But I think you know having Ahsoka explain corruption, having something like that, which is an important thing for everybody to know about, no matter how old you are. Um, I think that is a is a smart use of the show and at the show teaching, actually teaching kids something valuable instead of just 
another multiplication lesson that, you know, they get <laughs> thousands of between school, parents, and those quote-unquote educational shows. <laughs> I know, I, I completely concur with that, I have to say. Um, the, the, the corruption part, it was interesting when she explained that because it, it is an intriguing concept and everyone you know discusses and, and uses the word uh, corruption to describe a lot of seemingly malign things that go on in the world but it's not necessarily explained or defined really clearly you just know it exists so that was that was quite um, intriguing as well just uh, in general to hear about that and i might i might counter your little point that you made earlier with regards to this, the uh, Ahsoka being dispatched there um, to teach these kids. You have to uh, imagine that these Jedi are busy fighting a war, oh, yeah. which is pretty much yes, represented yes. with Anakin Skywalker. They haven't really got a lot of Jedi to be dispatching around to say, yeah, sure, um, sure, Obi-Wan sure, sure. or Plo Koon, go around and start teaching these yeah. kids a lesson. No, 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 I, I think I, it was more the case that Yoda was probably thinking, hmm, who is available to juice for this mission? I don't have a problem with, with Ahsoka being there, it's just the explanation that I thought was a bit weird, and like, yeah, I agree, the Obi-Wan's off, uh, Obi-Wan, Plo Koon, all the, all the Jedi knights and, and, and masters are off doing, you know, are off fighting more the war, yeah, it's doing more <laughs> important things, they're fighting the war, whereas, you know, Ahsoka is... is is able to you know take some take some time away from the war and, and go and do this. I just thought the explanation was it was again with the like oh come on is ever is Mandalore is there s- something in the air something in the tea on Mandalore that makes you stupid like it just <laughs> and why does everyone go to Mandalore anyway the neutral, yeah. the neutral system they're not even well, part of the well, yet. That's, helping them. well I think I think the Jedi going to Mandalore is it's it's a subtle rebellion by the Jedi. It's like, you know, we, we don't have to go to Mandalore, but at this, it's not in the Republic, it's not part of the war, but at the same time, you know, I think that, you know, despite the fact that they are generals and they are warriors at this, this point, the Jedi sort of cling to that mantra of we are keepers of the peace, not soldiers. And, I, I you know, this is sort of their way of saying, okay, we're not only subservient to the Republic, we're supposed to be helping everybody in the galaxy. Mm. And, and so they'll take a mission like this to go to Mandalore or to go somewhere like Bardotta, um, you know, as we see in season six or, you know, places like that. Just sort of as like, a, like you know, yes, we are supposed to be fighting this war with you, but we also have a, have a, have a you know, we're not just, you know, we're not the, the Jedi Order of the Republic. We are the Jedi Order of the galaxy. And we, are, we have a responsibility to help all beings, not just those in our Republic and not just those that are fighting our war. That's fair. I, I was going to try and counter that with the Onderan example, but I guess they did help at first, even though they then had to say, we got to leave you guys to do it on your own. Yeah. <laughs> We're not actually supposed to intervene. But again, that, that in a way was a, another rebellion, weren't it? Because they were helping the rebels, uh, although they were defeating the separatists, but they were still, you know, at, I guess... Uh, yeah, uh, well, I, starting you know, a fabrication of the... Of the not, not really Rebel Alliance, um, uh, well, but I know rebels it's, it's a that completely will different that yeah. will become rebels, but yeah. Um, the other, the other thing is, uh, is you know, um, if, if you know, by the time of Onderon, you know, the Jedi, you know, there's they, they like everyone else in, in this time period, slowly lose their convictions and their morals. 
um, and just start focusing all their energy on the war. And so where in season three, they're still willing to do something that is not necessarily, uh, you know, part of the war. It's, a, it's kind of a mini rebellion against the, the Republic. By the time of season four, or actually season five, uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, okay, we're, they're, they're kind of being worn down and just like, let's just end this war. You know, we can't go in and help everybody anymore. We just need to focus everything on, on winning the war. You know, mm, finding true. Dooku, finding Grievous, finding Darth Sidious. And, and so, and that, of course. Yeah, that makes sense. Because they do that, they sacrifice the morals, and, well, the first galactic empire <laughs> is the result. So, <laughs> you know. That's true. That is true. Um, well, uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll pass back on to you now. Yeah, I was going to say, I have one other thing about Ahsoka in, in these episodes. She puts the shock collar on Almec and then turns it on. Um, is that something Obi-Wan would have done? Is that something Plo Koon would have done? <laughs> Probably not, but is that something Anakin Skywalker would have done? Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it, no, I, it's probably not, actually. I think Anakin Skywalker would have just stabbed the guy instead. <laughs> Slice his head <laughs> off. Just yeah. yeah. Take that. Well, if, well, he might have done if that was Padme in Satine's position, for example, but uh, if he was Satine, he probably wouldn't care as much. Um, <laughs> I don't know, really. Um, was it, was it, is it as bad... As people make it out to be, I don't think it is really. I mean, okay, he gets shot collared, but he had been doing it to others. It's a torture device, though. It's a torture device. Yes, but it prohibits him from. Yeah, but he was going to shock the other person, weren't he? So it it stops him. (laughs) Yeah, and it and it worked. All right. Okay. Look. Look. Okay. I, I always think that there's a fine line here between light side and dark side, and I don't know if I would really put this in the category of the dark side. I mean, because I don't really know, I, I don't even know what I'd really define as particularly dark side. I mean, I, I guess I would see, like, force lightning, force choking, and she's not necessarily doing that. I know she's putting an electric collar on him, which actually does both. <laughs> yeah. About it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But she's not doing it herself. She's not the one force. Okay, look, I, I, I have no real evidence to counter your point, but I do... I, it's not something that Obi-Wan and Plo Koon would have done. And it is probably something or the, the type of thing that Anakin Skywalker would have done. So she is, of that respect, it, it, it seems like Ahsoka's character at this point is at a crossroads. She, she could either go one, you know, really light side or dark side. It, yeah. It's really in the air at this point. And that becomes even clearer in the Mortis arc when... Um, you have the future self, and we'll get onto that, um, you know, in the next couple of arcs. But that's where I feel like she is at this point. She's certainly picking up a lot of habits and attributes of Anakin Skywalker. That's really, I guess, what that scene is portraying more than anything else. Um, and I'm going to end my point there because I've got nothing else to counter your point there. So, <laughs> so well done, Dominic. I I agree, and um, I'll let you have that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. So, um, uh, I think that that's about all I have to say about 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 those episodes. Um, which uh, uh, do you have anything you'd like to bring up about it? Um, I think I've said quite. Too much, really, if I'm being honest, <laughs> negative about this arc. So I feel like we should move on to a more positive episode, yeah. which is coming up now. 
Yeah, so let's talk about Assassin. That's a, a, Assassin, the return of Aura Singh. Um, so, uh, what, do you have an episode description for us? Yeah, and this time it's a bit shorter than the other one. So, yeah, the other one was long-winded and a bit dull. This one's a bit more exciting. Reflect <laughs> <laughs> in the episode. Right, anyway, synopsis for Assassin. Tasked to protect a Senator Padme Amidala during a political mission to Alderaan, Padwinus Padawan, even, Ahsoka Tano, is plagued by recurring visions of the recently deceased bounty hunter, Aura Singh. Unable to clear her mind, Ahsoka worries that the stress of conflict is finally getting to her until her, her visions indeed prove prophetic. Ooh. <laughs> All right, so... Yeah, of course. This is a, a first step, the first time on the show that we really see premonitions. Premonitions, telling you something. They are yes. Um, <laughs> I, I, and uh, you know, it's Ahsoka being haunted essentially by Aura Singh, and and by what, um, um, you know, she, she obviously. It, what, is is this more of a, a response to? Do you think this is a response to what happened on, on a uh, on Florum? Is this kind of like some some form of, of, of PTSD. Yeah. <laughs> um I it's it's weird to or curious I should say even. I think weird is the right word to describe this. It's it's curious to really wonder why Aura Singh is is the particular individual that instigates Ahsoka uh, utilizing and uh, and exercising the use of premonitions really. Um uh, maybe it goes to show more than anything else that how far she's developed as um, as a character, and particularly in her force capabilities, that perhaps that was the first individual which really um, Ahsoka latched onto, and and, and I, I don't, I mean, it's not as if she had a real run-in with Thing prior to that, because I could envisage more Asajj Ventress, for example. Yeah. Yes. Uh, because of because of season one and like the hairless harpy and all of this answer if you want to call it that whereas Aura Singh there wasn't really any of that it was more from what we talked about last time in a Boba Fett arc that she chased her and obviously she she won <laughs> she won that was about it though um, yeah I, I, I guess it was more for audience for the audience sake that it was exciting to see Aura sing back and it was yeah. like, oh god, she's still alive. She might still be alive because a lot of people were questioning whether Aura Singh was dead or not um, up to that point. Which she survives in the books, man. Yeah. Uh, oh wait, they're <laughs> legends. We don't have to care about those anymore. <laughs> um, oh, don't worry. Not? We have to get onto even peel yet in the city yeah, of which uh, would be something to look forward to. Yeah, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> or a sing. Um yeah, I, I after I ask you that question then, why why do you think Aura Singh was the first individual that Ahsoka um I, I guess ha- had a premonition of? I don't think it was about Aura Singh. I think it was her connection to Padme that that caused this um this vision and that Aura Singh was just it just happened to be Aura Singh that was the one that was hired for it. Um I I I, I don't I I this, you know, there there might be some connection to her saying like that she just saw her so recently, like she, it's, it's a fresh in her mind. Um, you know, she hasn't been on a, a you know the only other mission she's been on since then really is is this trip to the academy. And so, who's she gonna who's she gonna dream about, Prime Minister Almec? I mean, really? <laughs> 
<laughs> all Mac choking. Like that. <laughs> um, so, oh god! I just I, I now I'm vi- picturing all of the uh, <laughs> all of the visions, but with all Mac. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she will die, and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> it has begun. <laughs> And then him talking to Zero. <laughs> with pleasure. Uh, with pleasure, yeah. <laughs> um, this so, will have to be a meme at some point. At some point, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think it was more just... Uh, um, uh, it was Padme, so it was, Yeah, connection to Padme, which, which raises the question, why is Ahsoka having visions about Padme? I mean, are Ahsoka and Padme really that close? I mean, they had their little run-in with the brush up the wires. Um, but <laughs> but other than that, I mean, is this is this something? Is it almost basically because of Anakin that she's having these visions about Padme that that she spends so much time with Anakin that she subconsciously senses his worry uh, worries about Padme and has subconsciously taken them on as her own, and these get manifested in her visions. I don't know because I don't I don't think she really knows that those two are a couple. I well, I've not got and not at this stage. Not at this stage. Well, but just yeah, by the end, yeah. yeah by the I end, don't know at this stage. Yeah, no, I, I don't think she knows. I think that maybe there's something like subconscious, something very subtle in the force that that is kind of telling her like the you know you know what what let's say she has. 12,000 midi-chlorians, maybe six of them realize something is going on, they're, like, trying to shout over the other ones, Hey! Hey, listen to us! (laughs) Yeah, but I also feel like there is a genuine connection between Ahsoka and Padme, just based on the interaction they had in this episode, when Padme was like, Oh, it's so good to see you, Ahsoka, and they embrace, and they must have had interaction with each other prior to this, other than the Blue Shadow Virus episode, so I feel like... Well, maybe, maybe that's maybe that maybe maybe it was just that that they you know that they have this sort of shared experience. It's almost we want to say not some kind of you know like two people that survived a, a thing, but such as that are going to have a stronger connection than two people that haven't. And maybe because of that, they've stayed in contact since then. Plus, you know, their connection. They both are, are connected with Anakin, so. And and everybody yeah. knows I, everybody I know, everybody knows that and everybody knows Anakin and Padme are friends. They don't know that they're they're in love with each other. So if there's if they're you know maybe Anakin and Padme you know will see each other in the hallway and shake hands and exchange pleasantries and and that will be a chance for Ahsoka and Padme to, to you know catch up a little bit as well. I, I I don't know. I don't know. Okay, then answer me this question. Oh God. <laughs> Why doesn't Anakin get a premonition that Padme is, could be shot? Uh. Preoccupied. I don't know. <laughs> he's preoccupied. He's, he's off on. He's off on wherever the heck he was going that, that Ahsoka wanted to go with him. I, I, yeah, fair enough. I, I mean, I. The, no, the but fourth, in fairness, no, 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 okay. that is actually a good. Okay, here's, point. here's the answer, Kieran. Here's the answer. The Force works in mysterious ways. <laughs> there is no response to that. Give me a response to that. <laughs> Try. <laughs> that, like, that, I that, don't. That, that's the answer. That, I think that should just be. That, that should just Justified. be the, pod, the podcast. Justified. The podcast for the next you know little while. Every two weeks, we just put out a show with the intro. One of us says the Force works in mysterious ways, and that's the show for the week. <laughs> <laughs> that explains everything. Yeah, we could do that, on, like on the Mortis um, special, yeah. uh, featurette, where you're like, you're gonna get a massive 
I don't know, 20 minute segment of them explaining everything at Mortis, and it was just a minute of Dave Filoni going, yeah, we could tell you, but we're not going to. Yeah. Now I'll just be here for the Mortis ones. The force yeah. works in mysterious ways. That's it. That's it. Anyway, uh, before we go on an extremely big tangent, um, back to Padme and Ahsoka. Um, yeah, all right, I'll let you have that. I've got nothing to say. Well, I, you know, I, I, I see I, your I, point there, but I, but I, I, I do and I don't agree with you. I feel like, yes, the interaction with Anakin is certainly going to incite and instigate more likely the premonition with Padme, but I do also have this insight that, that, that Padme and Ahsoka have still had their own personal sure. interactions outside yeah. of that, where well, they've like, been able to, I guess, ferment and uh, really germanize their relationship, so to speak. Yeah. So I, I feel like there is something there that more than just the brief indirect high whenever yeah. Anakin's around. Yeah, you know what I, I mean? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. I, I yeah, I, I that's that that's. That's fine. My my thing was more of a, like a subconscious thing, be- between it uh, between Anakin and Padme, and then Ahsoka kind of senses it, and that leads to these premonitions because of her connection with her master, and then her master's connection with Padme. Um, mm. I, I don't think it's just related to to them seeing each other in the hallway. I, I think that you know, I, I and I, I maybe it's a combination of both. Maybe there is this yeah, subconscious thing say. going on in the Force, but there's also just the fact that they are you know. They've been, they've become friends since, you know, since, since those, you know, just highs in the hallway have led to an actual friendship, um, combined with their blue shadow virus experience. Um, <laughs> what an experience that was. <laughs> Doctor, could you imagine, how about this, that Dr. Nuvo Vindi was the one instead? She will die! And there's nothing you can do! Yeah, 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 yeah! Oh man! <laughs> With the sniper rifle. Oh dear me! <laughs> and, and the black paint marks on his face. Yeah. Anyway, let's move away from Doctor Nuvo Vindi, and uh, I'll let you move on to another point. Well, yeah, I was just—I was just gonna say again. This kind of echoes what happened in the uh, in the previous arc with, with Satine not really taking Corky and his friends seriously. You kind of got the sense that Padme was doing the same thing to Ahsoka. Like, it was like, yes, okay, so so somebody's going to kill me. Captain, we've done everything we can. Good. All right, let's move on. Let's move out, folks. <laughs> you know, it's like, there was, <laughs> yeah. she didn't seem to be taking her as, as seriously as I think Ahsoka would have liked. If, as seriously as she really should have, you know, if she got shot. Um... That's not fun. Um, so you know, there's there's kind of a, I, I, you know, there is kind of the, yeah, I, I guess the relationship is kind of sisterly-ish, um, you know, sibling-ish, or you know, and so even though, uh, you know, Padme obviously trusts Ahsoka, she's still, you know, just kind of like, really, we're gonna do this, like, you know, I, I yeah, um, but you know, it's. it's these, these adults, she, she, these adults she, in the Star Wars universe need to start taking the younglings much more seriously because they are onto stuff. And, uh, you know, if, if people would just listen, it would just work out so much better. But I, I, can, I can also empathize a little bit with Padme as well yeah. because she's got a very important conference that she needs to go to to sort sure. out, the, resolve the refugee situation. And also on the way to um, Alderaan, obviously Ahsoka just like, <laughs> drew a lightsaber on top of her bed and 
there was no one there. So she's going to be a little bit dubious when um, Ahsoka later goes in the me- middle of the meeting with Mon Mothma and uh, Bail Organa, and she's kind of like she 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 sits up and looks as though oh Ahsoka um um yeah okay yeah we'll go out then but she doesn't really want to and I do agree with you on that respect I think at that point she is starting to get a little bit irritated as a do we really need to do this? Yeah. <laughs> Whereas we know as the audience that uh, Ahsoka really is having these visions, but I guess to the casual viewer who is, who's clearly not going to see these visions, it's just a bit like, go away, go away. <laughs> Nothing's happened to me, so I'm fine. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, only, I, after, I, I, only after she gets shot does she actually take it seriously. Yeah, yeah you can, yeah, definitely. It, it, it kind of gives you an insight into what regular people think of the Jai and, and of the Force and, and all that, because, you know, Padme, despite her you know, as she says, being a friend of the Jedi, she's still an outsider to the Jedi Order, you know, she still doesn't, she can't sense the Force, she doesn't know how it works, she's never had vision, she doesn't know about it, any of this works, and so Ahsoka is coming to her saying, you know, I've had visions about you being killed, and let's be honest, if, if I if, if I called you up tomorrow, Kira, and I said, hey man, I had this vision about, like, you being shot by a bounty hunter while you were giving the speech, you'd be like, yeah, Right, I'm never talking to him again, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, it, yeah, okay, okay. If it happened in this real world, then I would do that. <laughs> yeah, but, then I, I, I think Dominic's gone crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, <And laughs> or so. he's just drunk. Um, <laughs> but on a serious note, with uh, regards to this, I, I do, I. It is true, though, as you said that the. The, the, the people who aren't force users don't really comprehend what what goes on in a, in a Jedi's mind and and how it, it's it's almost a religion, isn't it? If you're going to put it in real world terms, it's a bit like a religion that you wouldn't necessarily practice in. Um, so, if, say for example, if you're a Chris, Christian and you're you know, talking, looking at Buddhism or something like that, I mean, they're two separate religions, aren't they? But but they're different, aren't they? And then they're, they're not necessarily. Uh, it, it may seem a little bit, um, I'll be careful how, how I phrase this, but it may just seem a little bit different and, uh, and not necessarily something that you're used to. So, not something that you um, necessarily understand. You know? Yeah, exactly. Because you're in your ways. And yeah, exactly. And their ways. You know, they're not, people, I mean, that's the cause of most conflict in the world is people just not understanding the other person. They don't yeah, exactly. understand what they're doing or they don't understand why they are this way. And because people are stuck in their own ways and they don't want to understand in a lot of cases, we wind up with a lot of the conflict in this world, which is unfortunate, but... Mm. Although um, I would think that but, Padme people would yeah. take it a bit more seriously because it, you've seen Anakin with the obviously the vision he had about his mother and saw that came into fruition. So you, you think maybe she'd have a little bit... I mean, I mean, in fairness, I think overall she wasn't really... No, she wasn't... Actually irritated. She, she, she went along with it. I mean, she, there was no point there where she said, no, stay here. Or, you know, she, she did say, yeah, okay, fine, fine. May not. She was She was... She consented to it. She may not have been the most enthusiastic about it, but she did go along with what Ahsoka yeah. was doing. You, so just, brought up, you just brought up something. You just brought up something. She, she just witnessed everything that Anakin went through with his, his mother and how his visions came true, his, his nightmares came true. And Ahsoka comes to her and says, you're next. And she's just like, eh, I don't know, well, maybe you can come with me. It's like, what? <laughs> if that were the case, I mean, you know, Padme is, also, Padme is also, you know, very, very stubborn, you know, she doesn't, 
she's very set in her ways and she doesn't feel she, 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 and she wants to do what she wants to do. And again, good for her. I'm, you know, she's sticking to her guns, sticking to her beliefs and, and all of that. And, and that's great. But, you know, we kind of see in, 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 in episode two as well that, you know, it takes a lot of convincing to get her to leave after her ship has just been blown up. You know, she, mm. she, I, I, I was, you know, on one hand, on the one hand, it's kind of, on the one hand, it's kind of like, shouldn't she, after everything she saw with Anakin, shouldn't she be a bit more worried? But on the other hand, it's kind of like, well, Padme's life has been in danger since she was 14. People have been trying to kill her all her life. It's, <laughs> it's really not a big deal to her at this point. She's like, oh, somebody's trying to kill me. It must be Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, it is. A, it it uh, evokes, evokes in me the memory of, of a line later in the episode when um, they're trying to suss out who the person is that wants to kill her and Anakin's like that could be a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people. <laughs> now you've got to narrow it down more than that. It no, wants offense, revenge. no offense, honey, but you've pissed off a lot of people in 24 <laughs> years. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But in fairness, as well, um, it's even more perplexing if you think about it. The events that happen in Episode Three that she doesn't believe she's going to be killed in the vision that Anakin has either, does she? <laughs> when she said she's like, "You're going to die at childbirth," and then. But she, she does go and say, like, oh, and the baby? And she's like, I don't, he's like, I don't know. And she's like, oh, it's only a dream. It's only a dream. It's not going to happen. But then it does. Episode 3 is very different, though. Because episode 3, if Anakin had not acted on his visions, nothing would have happened. That's true. If that's because true. he acted and then on his visions. there's actually a lot to, um, we won't go into this, but debatable about whether, you know, that was actually Palpatine that managed to, uh, insight those visions, those visions in, yeah. in, um, so that's <laughs> really really interesting discussion but unfortunately a bit of a digression from this episode isn't it <laughs> yeah maybe maybe um okay let's let's talk about yoda's interactions with ahsoka because i think they're very interesting and i think it's very interesting to, again to, to, to compare them to what um he tells uh, anakin in revenge of the sith because i think there are some similarities but there's also some there are also very different. So I, I'm just going to read the quotes from, from Revenge of the Sith and from this episode. So in, in Revenge, Revenge of the Sith, he, he tells Anakin, uh, careful you must be when sensing the future. The fear of loss is a path to the dark side. Death is the natural part of life. Rejoice for those around you who transform into the Force. Mourn them do not. Miss them do not. Attachment leads to jealousy, the shadow of greed that is. Train yourself to let go of everything you fear to lose. But in this episode, he tells Ahsoka... Um, premonitions telling you something they are so you begin to see the true power of the force visions they are underestimate them you must not meditate to see clearly more experience you need and then he adds uh, in a later scene choose you must how to respond to your visions but remember always in motion is the future and many possible futures there are um i, th- I think uh, can i quickly interject there yeah go for it um i i feel like he he is and he isn't saying as you said there are similarities and differences here i think the main similarities is both of them need to meditate yeah <laughs> and sort this problem out <laughs> basically in a secluded place to go to all problems in the galaxy can solve with just a little meditation <laughs> yeah. meditate let yourself Oh, you kind of think that it. You kind of see Yoda in an alternate universe, running like a yoga, yoga, teaching a yoga class or something. You know, 
but he's always meditating as well. And yeah. we see in episode two, he's always Mace Windu's walking in, and Yoda's in the middle of a meditation. Yeah, <laughs> he, he loves he loves a bit of meditation, does Yoda? Yeah. I'll, go, I'll I'll say that much. Definitely. <laughs> but but what is different though is, as you say, with differences, I I feel that you now you've just said those lines there are are principally the fact, or is I should say, is principally the fact that um, he tells Ahsoka really to act on. Of visions yeah. and and really find a way to, to suss out what what the best thing to do is you know um, basically execute a plan and, and, and really involve yourself in them. But with Anakin, he tells him more to just let it go. Don't don't think about let it. it. Just, let, it <laughs> let it go. <laughs> oh dear, let it go. What a song that was. Also at a nightclub yesterday. But oh, anyway, nice. I won't talk about that. <laughs> but. Um, well, Anakin, yeah, he's, he's saying to him, let it go. And, um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and, challenge. And we have to do the rest of the show in Disney songs. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I'm quite good with Disney songs, so it might be a lot of lines here while I'll be singing, so apologies. <laughs> yeah, okay, go ahead. He, he, t- he tells Anakin to let it go, but whereas he tells Ahsoka, Akuna Matata. Okay. <laughs> Well said, well said. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I've completely derailed you. Please go on. <laughs> oh, dear me. Right, anyway, back to what I was... Oh, I forgot what I was going to say there for a minute, but it's come back to me now in that brief hysterical moment I just had. Um, well, Anakin, I feel like with Yoda, he he kind of got an impression of what Anakin's vision was, in a way, because Anakin... When he was talking about the vision, he he was he didn't go into detail or as much detail as he did as Ahsoka did, for example. Um, he was like, "Yeah, someone I know who's going to die," <laughs> and then Yoda was like, "Someone close to you," and he was like, "Yep." Yeah. And that was kind of I think in Yoda's mind, he he knows by episode three he should do by that point that he's in Padme or a couple, and he and I think by that point he susses out his Padme, and that's why he tells Anakin. You know, let go of the feelings. Don't dwell on them, because he knows it. That's why he says fear of loss is going to lead to is a path that leads to the dark side. Whereas with Ahsoka, you don't really get that feeling. It's more he he wants her to explore and really um, and really comprehend and, and apply these visions into. It's okay. It's a learning experience for her. Really, it's he's educating her. Suddenly she's been, she's got these visions here and she doesn't really know what to do. She's a Padawan and he's there to help teach as he did the, the Padawans in episode two. Um, uh, and really, and really put her on the right path. But Anakin, as we always know, is, is a unique Jedi. Um, he's got unique circumstances surrounding him. And I guess I, I would say Yoda probably tells most Jedi what he told Ahsoka, but he doesn't do that with the Skywalker kids, yeah, <laughs> as he also on. does with Luke Skywalker in Episode Five. Um, yeah. There's similar sentiments there that uh, echo what he said to Anakin in Episode Three. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I've rambled on a little bit, but um, go, on, go. On, what do you think in well, relation to those quotes? I, I think Yoda is responding more to 
the the Jedi than just the the situation of premonitions and and the situation that the Jedi is in rather than just the fact that they're having premonitions. I think Yoda he knows that he can't give the same advice to everybody, and because of that, you know, he he I I I also think that. That Yoda knows about Anakin and Padme, and, and he he has some some kind of sense of that this is going on, and he as a result of that he gives Anakin this advice of you know train yourself to let go of everything you fear to fear to lose, whereas with Ahsoka, he knows it's it's more of a, a typical Jedi scenario where you know she probably should act on her visions or she should you know do some more try and figure out what her visions are telling her to try and you know and then again, act on them, whereas with Anakin, he's very much telling him not to act on them. And then with Luke in Empire, he knows what happened the last time a Skywalker kid um, had had some visions, and that didn't really work out for anybody. And and as a result, he's telling him, you know, no, don't go, don't go, because, you know, last time this happened, uh, <laughs> the first galactic empire was the response. Um <laughs> and, and so that's kind of what what I think. I, I have, a, if you're interested in reading it, I, I have an opinion piece on StarWarsUnderworld.com. It's called uh, Opinion. Knows about Anakin and Padme. Yoda does, and we kind of kind of delves into this as well, as well as some other little uh, tidbits. I think that the show threw in about uh, how much Yoda really knows about about uh, Anakin and Padme's uh, extracurricular activities. Um, so yeah, if you're interested in reading that, you can just head over to StarWarsUnderworld.com to read that, um, and do a quick search for it, or click on the opinion tab. But yeah, that, it, it's I think it's basically that. I think they uh, they realize that you know uh, Obi Wan and uh, or that um, that that Anakin and Padme are in a relationship, and the situation is is very different, and that's why Yoda gives different advice. Mm. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Aura Singh. Um, Aura Singh gets pulled out of the wreckage by Hondo. Um, actually, not so much Aura Singh. Let's talk about Hondo. Um, why would Hondo do that? Is it A, um, he still has feelings for her, or B, um, he's trying to basically um, get her to owe him a favor? What do you think? Hmm. Does, does he know she's in that ship? Or does he just want to salvage Slave One? Oh, good point. Good point. Maybe he, he, yeah, maybe it was just kind of an added value bonus that she was there. Yeah, yeah he just like, he just happened to beat it. Yeah. <laughs> Going through the rubbish. Oh gosh. Oh, oh didn't know oh, she was there. Yeah, and then he gets. But but, but 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 then, as you then said with your two um, scenarios there, that he he might well have thought, well, oh, it's a double bonus here. I've got a broken ship which I can now rebuild and and make my own and i've also got a bounty hunter who owes me a debt yeah so um but personally i think it's more that he wants to salvage and rebuild slave one um i don't know about what you think yeah i I like that that's a good point (laughs) that's a good point um and then yeah and then we see aura singh being a a pretty badass bounty hunter getting uh getting pretty close to her uh, her target and if it wasn't for these visions she would have succeeded and then, of course, Zero the Hut was the uh, was the the actual culprit behind everything, and it was good to see somebody other than Newt Gun right trying to trying to murder Padme. It's nice to to to, to, to change up your uh, your uh, <laughs> your it's usually your would be gun, right, isn't it? Yeah, your, your would be assassins from time to time. Um, <laughs> Did you, I'll ask you this then: Did you think it was Zero 
when you first I, saw I was, this episode. I thought it was going to be Gunray. I really thought yeah. it was going to be Gunray. Even, even with the purple comments, you know, I kind of thought, well, Gunray, cause I could see Gunray in purple. Um, you know, it's kind of a it's, lavish it's color. Probably got a wardrobe set somewhere else. Well, yeah, Gunray seems like kind of the lavish type, and purple's a lavish color, so, you know, I, I, I thought it was Gunray, and then, then with the whole maniacal laughter bit, then I'm like, oh, well, maybe. Then I thought, kind of thought of the, of more of a, then, then I started to think, well, maybe it's zero, and then it turned out to be zero, and I, yeah, I like that. I thought it was a, is, like I said, it was good to see somebody else trying to kill her other than Newt Gunray. <laughs> A nice little change then, eh? But uh, not so much in the fact that people try to kill Padme, but more yeah. so that it was a different person this time, or a different species, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, what did you make of that whole scene? Uh, that that scene? end scene, the interrogation scene, if you want to I don't know, I think... It's not much of an interrogation. <laughs> I think Zero must have drank some of that Mandalore tea because he was acting pretty stupid. And, you know, yeah. we, we know Zero can be quite manipulative, um from when we see in episodes like Hunt for Zero where he, you know, he's, you know, um, you know he's Wait, manipulating the, the entire hot council. Yeah. Well, he's basically holding them to ransom a little bit, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. He's saying, yeah, I've got this information here and I'm not going to tell you anything until I get blah, blah, blah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, he, he wants something out of it, basically. Exactly. Which is kind of what all hearts do. Yeah. They always try and squeam their way, uh, squirm their way out of it. Or wriggle their way out of it, I should say, if you're a <laughs> Yeah, and then, uh, and then Ahsoka just kind of tricks them without, without much. And I, I don't know, maybe Zero does kind of have a big mouth, so I can kind of see that happening. Um, but what, what did you think of that scene? Yeah, I, I really enjoy it. I, I've got, I won't say the quotes, because I've actually got one from this scene that I really enjoyed, but, uh, it was refreshing, I think, to see Zero at this point, because, Obviously, chronologically, this is the first time we actually see him. <laughs> We've yeah. seen him. Well, no, it's, no, it's just not true, actually. We no. see him in a movie. Movie him, and... Uh, but even then, it was... Uh, an and, and, yeah, oh, yeah, the movie and then... And yeah, then yeah, yeah, that's right. Good point, good point. Hostage um, Crisis hasn't happened yet. <laughs> no, not yet. We, we'll get there soon, though. Yeah, um, it, it's, it's nice to see... Yeah, because Zero was kind of like a, 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 a plot line through the first three seasons... And you know it's interesting. The Clone Wars has those like these those like, sort of storylines that carries through from from season to season. You know whether it's Darth Maul, Death Watch, even Ahsoka, uh, Hondo. You know, and with Zero, I, I, you know, it, if the show had gone on, I would have almost liked to have seen an episode that dealt with like ramifications from his death in the yeah. the Hut community because it, it felt like he was an important enough character. I mean, we spent so much time focusing on him, and we you know, we spent a bunch of episodes on him that. It would have been, I think it would have been cool to see, but, uh, you know, I guess we didn't. I think we'll, again, we'll never this, know. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think, again, when this episode aired, it was a little bit confusing and, um, I, I guess, a bit mysterious about, uh, puzzling, really, what what was happening in this, uh, what, what particular timeline this was on. Um, was it before the events or after the events? Because a lot of people had to go to StarWars.com to find out that this <laughs> actually took place before Hostage Crisis. People were like, hang on, I thought they just freed it from jail and now yeah. it's back in jail. And it, that, that was, again, one of the little... That was probably the only problem when it aired, I think, of this episode, was that it was, it was still jumbling around a little bit and it, there was no really continuous thread throughout a season. But um, I, th- I actually really enjoy this scene. I think it, it's really, really, really intriguing. 
and and it's it's quite funny to see Zero. Yeah, right? yeah, it's funny. Zero is always good for for a bit of comic relief. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So, anything else you'd like to bring up about Assassin? Um, I don't think so. Actually, I think we've we've covered quite a lot to be honest, and um, we'll move on to quotes then, shall we? Yeah, let's move on to quotes. Uh, do you have your quotes ready, or should I go first? Um, well, I'll go first because okay. I've I've really only got the one. Usually, <laughs> I've got multiple ones, but I didn't pick any from the Mandalore. Yeah, trilogy. yeah neither, neither did I. Neither did I. We're kind of giving the Mandalore trilogy the silent treatment, or Mandalore duology, <laughs> I should say, the, the silent treatment in the quotes because there wasn't weren't any quotes that were that memorable. I guess I guess the quote for corruption should just be corruption. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Actually, no. You go first. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm, okay. I've got quotes well, here. Well, my, my my quote um from from Assassin is is the Yoda quote again. Um, just you know, pre- um, premonitions telling you something they are. So you begin to see the true power of the Force. Visions they are. Underestimate them. You must not. That that that's just that quote. I I love Yoda advice, and I love that there was uh, Yoda's theme in there. And all kinds of stuff. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna give that one, uh, give that one my favorite quote. And uh, yeah, end up giving the Mandalore duology the silent treatment because there really, there wasn't anything that memorable. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. Here's one. Um, this is when the lieutenant is in the, um, you know, what is it? Satine's palace. I'm gonna call it that anyway. I don't know what uh, that room is. The throne room, even. Right. The docks are a highly secure area, free of dangerous criminals. And then Padme asks, what happens when you are... No, I've got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that went wrong. I was going to do that and see if you believe it. Do one no, of those jokey ones no, again. No, but it, <laughs> it was so was badly so... executed. <laughs> I, I didn't even write the quote down right. It was going to go and say smuggling does not take place on my watch and then Padme says what happens when you're not watching and he says I'm always watching <laughs> I'm always watching <laughs> it's so bad yeah. anyway I'm going to actually move on to a proper quote here okay. which is actually quite funny um, so this is Zero to Hut being interrogated right now and um, <laughs> he's, uh, Padme says um, yeah, we think it says something to the effect that we thought you were involved in this conspiracy. And she's like, well, he says, what makes you say something so utterly ridiculous, a youngling? And then he go, and then she goes and says, we have Aura Singh in custody. She said, she told us everything. But, but what? She, she, she told you what? Impossible. I should have hired someone better. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Do you see the conditions I'm living in? That <laughs> insipid senator put me in here. She deserves to die for leaving me to what? Right in this squalor. In poor zero. Squalor. Oh, poor zero. Oh. Oh. Oh, <laughs> oh a nice little touch, though, to mention, though. Did he catch Poggle the Lesser in one of the other cells? No, people keep saying that, but I never see him. I, I, I looked. I looked this time. I, I just missed him. Oh, he, he's right next to Zero on the right-hand side. If oh. you look there, then you'll see the flappy wings and it's Poggle the Lesser. 
I'll, ha- I'll have to look again. <laughs> oh, dear. The next time. <laughs> Clearly a memorable moment. <laughs> <laughs> you were too busy listening to Zero's cackling laugh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> as, uh, they, as the villains usually do. Yeah. Anyway. As he twirled his mustache, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So I think that will about wrap things up. It's time. So it's time for... Final thoughts and score out of ten. Kieran, uh, let's go. Let's give the Mandalore duology one score and Assassin another score. <laughs> okay, I'll do Mandalore. You do Mandalore, and then we'll swap round. Okay. So we're gonna go with Mandalore first. The Mandalore, the Mandalore duology is probably <laughs> what I should give it the label as. Um, this is probably one of my lowest ratings, but I'm probably gonna give it a two out of ten. <laughs> I generally thought. It just didn't excite me at all, and I feel like the only, I guess, you things that I can actually eulogise and praise from it was was the fact that it acted as a as a story to to really propel Mandalore in the future to be in a bit more interesting when we get to die off more and the and the Black Sun and every all that good stuff in season five. I just feel like the, the particular arc in question just didn't doesn't really sit well in terms of the action there's no action that's really exciting um the dialogue i'm sorry i don't know who the writer is and he may be a great writer but just in this particular arc what he wrote down was not executed well it it really was pretty um a bit pretty much of a dull fest and this is my last lambast of, of this particular duology because I might go on for a long, a, a long rant again. It just, unfortunately, the character interactions, as you said, Dominic, they were just a bit too stupid and there's nothing really of substance that that really, really made makes me enthusiastic and in favour of this arc. So, 2 out of 10, not a great score, but this is probably my worst score I'll ever give because it's the worst arc I've ever seen in the Clone Wars. Um, uh, in comparison, I mean, to the other... You know, obviously, we've got so many great stories that we have in the Clone Wars, and in comparison, this just does not compare on any scale, in my opinion. But over to you, Dominic. Final thoughts on the yeah, Mandalore, well, Mandalore I mean, episodes. <laughs> I can go a little bit higher and give it a 4 out of 10. I, I, again, a lot of the same issues. Uh, you know, I think the, the characters didn't seem to be acting like themselves. They seemed to all... Uh, some seem to have all lost a few IQ points for this episode. And, and it, it just didn't... And it, I just go back to that word, anticlimactic. I think, you know, the return to Mandalore... Um, should have been something bigger that there, there needed to be some kind of you know it, it moved the plot along and, and uh, you know we it, it there was some payoff for it in season five but I, I still feel that uh, you know it, it wasn't wasn't enough it wasn't enough it, it, it didn't push the story along and it didn't feel as impactful as it as it should have and, and that's 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 my issue with it and, and it's unfortunate uh, you know there was some interesting debate about you know, the war and about and some interesting discussion of corruption and, and that kind of stuff in there, um, some very real world stuff. But uh, at the same time, it just that and that stuff was interesting. But the rest of it just it didn't 
feel right. It didn't feel like the continuation of the story that we were expecting and the continuation that the story should have had. So um, with that, I'll throw it back over to you for your final thoughts and, and score for Assassin. Okay, Assassin. And this was a very good episode, and I'm going to give this episode a 7 out of 10. I think it was... It, it, it was great in a number of ways, to be honest. In terms of the music, which we haven't actually mentioned, the nice Leia Organa theme. Yes. And, the, <laughs> and also the Force theme when Yoda and Ahsoka were in the meditation chamber, if I'm going to call it that. Um, I, I think the Kevin Kiner score was fantastic in this particular episode. And there was great character development for Ahsoka. I think by seeing how her force powers are progressing and advancing we really get an inkling of how her character is evolving and really progressing too so that was really really intriguing and fascinating to watch throughout the throughout the episode and it was good to see aura sing back i i really enjoy her character aura sing i feel in spite of the Legends universe, or many of the people <laughs> who saw her as needing to wield a lightsaber. She, there's, J- Jamie King voices her really well. She is this really malign, malevolent, villainous character that, that really works well, and it, it, it was just great to see her return. But we get to see Alderaan for the first time, yeah. um, which which we didn't really mention actually. But uh, I might let you elaborate more on that when you talk about your final thoughts. That was great to see. And Zero, lovable Zero. You know, the the more that I see of Zero, the more I wish he didn't die so early because I do love. He does make me laugh, and he is that comic relief as you said. And it was great to see him at the end. He <laughs> has some great lines to to conclude this episode, but fantastic um, and I can't wait actually to get and delve more into the arc of Zero which we will do in earnest and Dominic final thoughts on Assassin yeah I'm, I'm going to give this one an 8 out of 10 uh, like you said going to Alderaan is something that it's one of those things that I wanted the show to do I really wanted the show to do that I think we had the chance to do it Alderaan still existed at this point and it's a planet that you know is, is iconic just from, from being blown up so to finally get us to actually to spend some time there and see what it was actually like uh, was was very cool, um, and and then of course the music like you mentioned the the Princess Leia's theme, Yoda's theme, all that good stuff was was, was fantastic. I, I loved hearing it. Um, it was was great little nods to, to to what we've seen before, and then of course just some, some killer action between uh, Ahsoka and Laura Singh. Loved seeing. Uh, seeing the force delved into a little bit with the with the premonitions, and uh, a, the more continued growth for Ahsoka's character. It was, a, it was a great, great standalone episode, and you know, it, it continued where uh, where the Boba Fett trilogy left off, left off, left off for uh, Aura, Aura and Ahsoka. So yeah, eight out of ten. So yeah, so that will wrap things up. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, the show, like we said at the beginning, for the next little while will just kind of be. Whenever we can get one out, we will. Um, and then, of course, we'll get back to our regular schedule in the fall. Um, you can email us your thoughts on these episodes or uh, or the next episodes that we'll be talking about, uh, which I am blanking on what they are. But uh, They are 
clone cadets, oh. arc troopers, and oh, sorry, clone and cadets, rookies, and arc troopers. troopers. Yes, there's a, there's a fun arc. Um, so yeah, that we'll be get, we'll be talking about those uh, whenever we get around to it. So if you want to send us your thoughts on them or on these ones, uh, Clone Wars Strikes Back at gmail.com is the place to do that. Be sure to like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Clone Wars Strikes Back, or just search for the Clone Wars Strikes Back. You can follow us on Twitter at TCW Strikes Back, and you can follow me at DominicJ25, and you can follow Kieran at CDuggan6. Um, don't forget to subscribe to the Star Wars Underworld podcast on iTunes. That way you'll never miss an episode of this show or my other show, the Star Wars Underworld podcast, which is recorded live every Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern and is released on Friday to the iTunes feed. Uh, we've got some cool stuff coming up there with our coverage of San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, I think we can say this now, but by the time you're hearing this, the next episode uh, will be a special Rebels-themed episode where we'll be talking about... Uh, We'll be starting an hour early, and uh, we may be bringing the entire Rebels panel to you live. So that could be pretty fun. Uh, and uh, that'll be uh, the Thursday of Comic-Con at 8 p.m. Eastern. And then between uh, between shows, be sure to hit up StarWarsUnderworld.com for all the latest breaking Star Wars news, including uh, Episode 7, Rebels, Battlefront, and so much more. So thank you, everybody, for listening, and may the Force be with you.